Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Kevin Quinn over Zoom video. My guess is that you'll recognize Kevin from his acting career. He was Xander on the Disney show Bunked. He also starred in the Netflix musical A Week Away, and uh, prior to that did uh, Chicago PD and Shameless and a bunch of other shows before landing the big role on Bunked. But he's also a musician, and we spend a lot of time talking about his music career, which actually started before his acting career really blew up. He learned piano at an early age, took some guitar lessons, always sang. He was in chorus and choir and uh, different extracurricular activities like that. But he saw an ad on Facebook when he was homesick from school that had Nicki Minaj's face on it. And it said something about auditioning for American Idol. So he turned on Photo Booth on his computer and he ended up singing a song to the computer, submitted that, and he got a callback for American Idol. He told his mom about it. She thought it was fake. They figure out that it was actually real. He goes out to Long Beach, auditions for the show, and eventually got eliminated pretty quickly into the process of uh, American Idol, which is funny because when he got home, he enjoyed being in front of the camera, kind of part of the reality show so much that he wanted to try his, his way in the acting world. He auditioned for an agency in Chicago where he's from. He ended up landing an agent who got him some roles locally, which led to him eventually landing a movie for Disney. And while he was shooting the Disney film in Vancouver, he got the offer for Bunked. And that's when his, obviously his acting career really escalated. But we also talk about how during his time on Bunked, he hired someone to help him produce and write music because he was always obviously a fan of songwriting. He wanted to be a musician. He talked about how when the pandemic happened, that's when he started writing what became this brand new EP. We talk all about his new EP. It's called It's About Time, which is also the lead single off the record. And we talk about the music video for It's About Time as well, which is based on The Breakfast Club. And he's got a really cool story about that. You can watch our interview with Kevin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, it would mean the absolute world to us if you can hook us up with a five-star review and follow us there as well. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Kevin Quinn. This is all about you, your journey in music, obviously you have a big career in acting, but I want to focus on your music, but that's cool uh, throughout this conversation and we'll talk about the new record and obviously the big tour you're on yeah yeah man i'm uh on the road back at it again uh <laughs> it's crazy man i'm uh actually leaving i'm in nashville right now and i've got a 14 and a half hour drive tonight to wichita kansas to you're perform. in nashville i'm in nashville as well <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah get out of here I you, you live here full time yeah yeah i do um i actually just moved here from san diego so my nice. family and I moved and we love it out here. We're south of Nashville down by uh, Franklin area, but we, we love it here. Nice. Yeah. I've thought about making the move myself a few times officially, but I'm yeah. still in LA at this point. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. I saw, I was looking at the tour schedule and that you're in Wichita. I didn't know if you were like in route, <laughs> like having to do this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've had to do those podcasts before where I'm on the road and 
taking it from the back lounge of the bus going 60 miles an hour, but sure. it's never ideal. <laughs> yeah. Rad. Well, awesome. Thank you so much again for doing this. So you're in Nashville now, but originally where were you born and raised? Chicago. Yeah. Oh, so Chicago. I'm okay. Proud Chicagoan, born and raised. Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles when I was 17 to okay. work uh, for Disney Channel. I had a gig on one of their shows. Uh, and then I, I have been there ever since. I think it's been seven years now. And uh, honestly, my acting career is what's still keeping me in L.A. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I would have probably made the move to Nashville like I was telling you by now. Okay. Uh, but I still am in Nashville all the time. Uh, residence in is basically my home away from home. I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you do a lot of writing in Nashville? Yeah, all of my writing is done in Nashville. Actually, I wouldn't say all of it. Uh, I have a few writer producers that I work with in Los Angeles. Um, I think Paul Duncan is one of them. Theron okay. Feimster, nephew. Um, so there's a there's like a handful of them that I work with, but the, the majority of them are probably in Nashville. Right on. So you were born and raised in Chicago. What was it like growing up in Chicago? Idyllic, if you could believe that. Okay. Um, I know people talk. People have different opinions of Chicago. Uh, I don't know if it's the same city that I grew up in post pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of cities are just feeling, yeah. kind of, you know what I mean? It's all changed um, <laughs> over the past two years, right? Yeah. But really, man, I mean, you know, Chicago is just the perfect version of a childhood that I could have ever imagined. Um, mm -hmm. You know, playing soccer in the alley and uh, the trampoline in the backyard, just an all American, you know, kind of childhood. Mm -hmm. And people have asked me before, they say, you know, what was it like growing up in the industry just because I got started young and uh, mm -hmm. was a young actor. But the truth is, I, you know, I, I tell them I never felt like I did. I, I never felt like I grew up in the industry. You know, a lot of my peers, uh, especially working on Disney Channel back then, uh, might have told you that they did, but I would have never told you that. Um, I went to Nutra High School, public high school for four years mm -hmm. on the north side of Chicago. I was taking summer school chemistry classes. Uh, just trying to get my credits in before I, I started a career in Los Angeles. So, you know, I had a community in Chicago, uh, friends and people that I, I know and love and still keep in touch with. Mm -hmm. But I, I never felt like I grew up in the industry. So it's always an interesting dichotomy if people ask me and, and they assume that a young actor must have had a different kind of childhood. But I, sure. I had the same childhood that most people had. That's, I mean, at 17, I would think that that's not really growing up in the industry if you're you know three and you know whatever small commercials then obviously that exactly. would be a different different route but the fact exactly. that you landed the show when you said 17 years old that's quite or at least that's when you moved to LA it's quite a different uh journey um growing up in Chicago though like uh talk to me about how did you originally get into music I auditioned for American Idol in 2012 I believe on a whim Okay. I was homesick from school one day and scrolling Facebook, uh, like every 13 year old kid <laughs> does in the 2010s. And I saw this ad with Nicki Minaj's face on it on Facebook saying, you know, submit yourself, your audition self tape. And I was bored and I was just like, Hey, why not? You know, I'm homesick. I, I mean, in retrospect, in retrospect, probably wouldn't have uh, submitted the tape with strep throat. <laughs> but I was just a kid. I was like, Hey, uh, yeah, I'll sing. So I recorded a, a video and photo booth of me singing and I sent it into this uh, submission website. And then two weeks later, I got a call from uh, a producer in Long Beach, California saying that they wanted me to come out and audition for the judges. 
And I thought it was fake. I, you know, I was in the basement playing video games and I called my mom upstairs. I'm like, mom, someone from American Idol is on the phone. And she's like, hang up. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, hang up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. And then I, I went out to Los Angeles and, and it was a real deal. And I auditioned for the judges. And ironically, I thought that was going to kickstart an early music career for me. But it was actually the contrary to be true. Ironically, it kickstarted an acting career for me. And I don't know if that was just because it was a reality TV show and I was in front of the cameras, Um, but I got pretty comfortable around the cameras. And so I had the idea as a young kid, just, you know, taking taking acting classes in high school. Well, what if I auditioned for like an agency in downtown Chicago, which is in my backyard mm-hmm. and try to do stage plays or, or local productions. So I did, and I got representation and I started to uh, do stage plays at, you know, like Steppenwolf theater, which is Gary Sinise's theater. You know, John Malkovich plays there sometimes mm-hmm. uh, Chicago Shakespeare theater. I was doing uh, Shakespeare when I was 16. So I was kind of dabbling in that, uh, in Chicago. And then eventually I got some roles on Chicago PD, Shameless, some of these local Chicago productions. And when I had saturated the the Chicago market, I decided I was going to move to Los Angeles and just pursue acting full time. You know, so I kind of put music on hold and assumed, Mm -hmm. well, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll come back around. But right now I'm getting great opportunities and jobs in the acting industry. So I'll keep that going. Mm -hmm. I got out to Los Angeles, uh, booked my first role within two weeks. Wow. And I had a, an Airbnb <laughs> booked for three months thinking that I wouldn't book anything. So when I had to go to shoot in Vancouver after I did, I was using the money to basically pay for the Airbnb that I had booked for <laughs> three months. Was anyone staying in it? Were you like telling your friends and family members like, hey, I got this Airbnb. Yeah. Do you want to crash? <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a few friends from high school that flew in to spend some weekends in LA. So, you know, it was kind of like a fun time. It was like a, a glorified slumber party, if you will. Sure. That's so um, funny. Yeah. And so then, so then after that, uh, they, Disney channel had been seeing self or, uh, what do you call it? Dailies, uh, mm-hmm. from that movie that I was doing for them in Vancouver. And they said, Hey, you know, we think you'd be good for this role. Do you want to come in and screen test for it? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, sure. Why not? So I flew back to LA show was called summer camp, uh, which turned out to be bunked, oh. which is actually still on the air. If you can believe that. Yeah. My son uh, is a, actually, he, he was a big fan of Jesse. And then when it transferred into that, he, he like, he, he still loves the show. Uh, I didn't tell him I was talking to you today, but I'm going to rub it in his face when he gets home from school. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> Let me know what he says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then I, I uh, shot bunked for two years and this character that I was playing was, was a singer. So mm-hmm. I started taking guitar lessons again and uh, which Disney paid for. God bless That's them. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just fell in love with music all over again. I was like, you know, if there's a way that I can turn this back around to a music career and still do what I'm do what I want to do here with the mm-hmm. acting, then that'd be great. So eventually that did happen. And uh, I did another musical movie for Netflix a couple of years later after I uh, left the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that led to a, a deal with Capitol records. And so now I'm here uh, on tour and, and, promoting this first EP. So, so it's amazing. So amazing. I want to rewind a bit back here, if you don't mind. I'm just curious, like, so you see this ad on Facebook for, you know, American Idol. You obviously had singing ability. I mean, prior to seeing that, you must have known that you could sing. And did you play an instrument prior to that? Or like, was it like, hey, I could probably sing. Let's just turn this thing on and let it rip. Or were you doing videos prior to that or anything like that? before I, I knew i could sing uh okay. 
And I, I actually put the time and effort to write a song in high school and get it produced by like a local Chicago producer. Oh, I put cool. it on at the time. So I don't know, maybe it was always in me that I had this kind of hunger for, for putting music out there. So mm-hmm. I knew I could sing. I, I dabbled in guitar, dabbled in piano, took choir, took music theory in high school. Uh, so yeah, it was always something that I knew I, I could do. Uh, okay. I just never really had the opportunity to do it until then. And the thing about American Idol, you know, I was so excited for it at the time and it was, it was such a big deal. And all my peers are like, dude, that's so awesome. You know? Um, but in retrospect, it was very much a stepping stone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm very glad that I, I didn't have a career that was super affiliated with American Idol or that I, I made it too far so that it kind of stuck with me with the branding a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, I've had this conversation with people before and it's really interesting. I, I wanted you to continue that, but I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And so like, even when I moved to LA, uh, I got a buddy named Jared Ang and um, Jared owns just Jared and, and which is a publication. And he was talking to me about my career and stuff. And I was like, uh, you know, do we, do we want to talk about the American Idol thing? And he's like, Kevin, you should be glad that you got kicked off that show when you did. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? From a publicist's point of view, he's absolutely right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I did because now it's more like something that people know that I did, but it, it hasn't been a career defining thing for me. I've been able to do bigger and better and I hope to still do that. You know, it's kind of yeah. the same dynamic with Disney that you get affiliated with the brand. But luckily I, I feel that I've been having uh, somewhat of an easier time transitioning uh, into adulthood. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I've, I've definitely heard the story of, you know, American Idol not wanting to be just known as, oh, you, yeah, you're the guy from American Idol or you, you or and you kind of get into that that world. And it's interesting because I was just doing research on the season that you were on. And I'm like, I don't even know who this person is that won. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so horrible it's to say, weird, but right? it's like so true. It's like there's been so many if you think of like all the people that have won American Idol, how many of them really even have a career to this day? And it, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, Hey, it's not a bad thing. And if you can, you know, get far on the show and still have a career afterwards, then that's a win in my right. book. Sure. Um, but I, you know, it's funny. Uh, maybe like five years after that, I befriended um, a man named Chris Lithgow mm-hmm. and Chris is a uh, theater producer who had asked me to come in and do Peter Pan for him. Uh, which I did at the Pasadena Playhouse one year. So I got to know him and uh, his father is Nigel Lithgow, who uh, is the, uh, I don't know if he's executive producer, creator, something of American Idol, but he yeah, was he's heavily involved. super high up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just having a candid conversation with Chris one day uh, at the theater. I was like, you remember I was on your dad's show. Right. And he was like, I do remember that. You know why you got kicked off? And I was like, why? And he said, because you were under 18. No one under 18 can be on a live show. So I was like, that's why? He's oh, like, yeah, man, reality wow. TV. You, you can't work those labor hours in the union. Um, Interesting. So I don't know if they have exceptions for that, if they really believe in someone, you know, like Jordan Sparks or something who was 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, so I kind of got like the inside scoop as to what really went down and, mm-hmm. and being able to work for the Lithgows afterwards and, and, you know, end on good terms with, <laughs> I love yeah, those guys. The that's best. so, that's crazy. Okay. Well, okay. So you did, we talked about your acting career and then you did this musical that was on Netflix. And then that kind of led you to where you are as far as being signed with capital and, and all of that. But like, 
when were you were you writing songs in between here like when did you start you said you wrote a song in high school but was that something that you revisited when you were you know acting a little bit or yeah uh i mean yeah i wrote some songs in high school but i i really started to take it seriously uh during my time on disney channel uh so i would i would rehearse three days a week and then two days a week i would shoot on thursday and friday for this show uh and Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I worked with a producer, a writer producer to uh, write and record after rehearsals and shooting days. Um, so I kind of hired him as my in-house personal producer, and he was helping me develop my music and my songwriting skills. Uh, and I just kept you know, writing songs with him that lasted maybe two years. And I had, by that point, a repertoire, uh, quite the repertoire of songs. I don't know if they were any good, um, but it definitely helped develop my songwriting skills. And I, I wouldn't trade that time because it was absolutely what I needed uh, to be able to write the music that I'm writing today. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went through that, you know, development, developmental songwriting period that most artists go through, try to find my sound. And then yeah. the music started getting better and better. Um, and eventually it got good enough that I, I was like, hey, maybe I could start sending this stuff to labels. So I sent some demos to Capitol and they loved the stuff uh, and they knew that I was already doing stuff uh, in other facets of my career. Mm-hmm. And so they brought me on and, and uh, signed my artist in publishing and, and I've been writing songs for them. And, um, you know, the, the first group of songs was the EP and okay. a lot of those were written during uh, the pandemic. So during oh. the stay at home order. Yeah. So, you know, all these themes of light and hope and inspiration, positivity, whatever it is uh, that you, you hear on the EP uh, all just felt really relevant in timing. And mm-hmm. uh, like, these were the group of songs that I, I was supposed to release. And I, I'm glad I did because even seeing the response on winter jam, when I sing, it's about time, the lead single mm-hmm. man, people are going crazy. I mean, That's so awesome. it's been out for like two weeks and they're already singing it out in the crowd. So to hear that for the first time, is just, it's really rewarding. And I'm just happy that they're responding to the EP so well. I, I think you know, this group of songs is is definitely the most proud work that I've done to date. Wow. I'm sure that's got to be such a diff- different feeling. I mean, being on a sh- TV show, you're not really getting the immediate, you know, response from people. There's not a crowd of people like cheering you on. I mean, I don't know, maybe you should in front of a crowd, but uh, as but you do like Peter Pan or something, you would get that kind of immediate reaction. But you wrote these songs, you're going out and singing them and having the, the, these fans in this crowd sing them back to you. That's got to be a totally different emotion, I would think, on stage. It's totally different. You're absolutely right. There's something about instant gratification of hearing like a crowd's response or, or you know, after a, a play, you know, the, the people in the audience starting to clap that you know mm-hmm. you, you've done good work and that they're supporting you. But you don't really know that with music until people hear it for the first time and until you, you put it out there. And by the time you actually put it out there after writing it, recording it, uh, you know, mastering it, mixing it, I mean, it, it could be months since you first wrote it that people are finally hearing it. And at that point, you get, you know, demoitis, you start to second guess <laughs> yeah. it. it. Well, is this good? You know, because I've been sitting right. on it for six months at this point. Uh, but then to, to hear the response that people have once it is finally out there uh, and see that they enjoy it, then you know you did good work. And luckily, that's been the case for me. That's amazing. That is amazing. I'm real quick on the, the, the project that you kind of, or hiring this 
person to kind of help produce while you were also working on the Disney show. Was that kind of like a passion project or it was just something you're like, you know, I really want to start writing songs. I've got this stuff I want to get out. Like, how did that even begin? I think it, I, I think it started from passion, a passion for music uh, and a passion for creativity and creative expression. But I think it was more so a logical, rational next step that I knew I had to take in order to achieve some of the goals that I was hoping to achieve later on. Okay. And that's kind of the way I think I'm very much like I, I have emotions and feelings and then I judge, you know, how to proceed with those emotions or, or next steps, you know, even when it comes to my career, we can get into the whole 16 personalities, like the INFJ stuff. Uh, <laughs> sure. But I'm pretty sure I'm like an INFJ or something, which is like the, the rarest personality type. If you can believe uh -huh. that, like Pacino is and Taylor Swift. I, I don't know why, but for some reason I have a very, quirky uh personality that involves a lot of thinking and then logical rational next steps uh, uh in in getting things done and that's kind of the way i've always worked and i think what has helped my productivity and, and motivation and actually me getting to this point so for me to kind of go through that writing period of, of just developing my songwriting it felt like i i knew that i needed to go through that uh passion aside in order to achieve my goals if that makes sense no, for sure. For sure. And I mean, obviously Pacino, Taylor Swift, some of the most creative people they're around, right? I mean, and, and hardworking people around as well. I guess. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm into the whole like 16 personalities, Enneagrams, uh, <laughs> astrological signs, Zodiac. I don't know if yeah. you are. No, what's funny is like, I never heard of like numerology. Do you know anything about numerology where your name, you break down the letters of your name into certain numbers and it like equates no into this thing. Yeah. I was interviewing somebody about it and they were telling me and I'm like, this is nah. And I looked it up and there was like a website you can put your full name into and it'll break it down. And it starts like giving you feedback on what your number means. And it's reading this stuff. And I swear it was like AI, like going through all my like Facebook page, like pulling <laughs> this information. Cause it was like spouting all this stuff to me. I'm like, wait, what, how does it know all of this? Like it was, it was bizarre. It's called numerology. <laughs> numerology. There, I'll tell you, there's like a pseudoscience for everything. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it just is. People, people look for meaning in everything, uh, whether or not there actually is meaning there. Sure. Actually, I will say when it comes to faith and, and my faith, that is kind of like where I do put meaning, you know, I still mm -hmm. have fun with the Zodiac stuff and, but I, that's a different thing than like actual solid grounded, you know, real faith uh, for me, which is also something I'm kind of incorporating into the EP. Yeah. I've gone through like such this crazy faith journey uh, that is almost too fairy tale esque to even, you know, really comprehend. But yeah, that's been another thing that I've been putting into the EP and the music is, is just uh, my relationship with God. And, and uh, that's the other thing of, of considering how inspirational and positive this music has been. Uh, it's been cool to kind of put that inspiration and still that faith and hope in, in people who need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that goes in along with the tour that you're on too, right? Winter Jam is a lot. It's all, it's a Christian tour, isn't it? All Christian. It artists. is. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. And, and it's cool too, because it's such a hosh posh of, of artists. Um, you know, so for instance, we've got Skillet, which is, mm -hmm. they kind of remind me of like Green Day. And I was a yeah, they're like a band. more of a rock band, right? Like yeah, a, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's cool because they're they're like, I mean, they're those guys are like 
John, Corey, uh, Jen and Seth, like that they they've been doing it a minute and I'm pretty sure a lot of their albums like double platinum at this. They're like the the world's most low key but successful rock band. Yeah, they've they got started. like Grammy nominations and stuff. Uh, it's nuts, man. <laughs> and they're just the nicest people and and they've been so kind on tour, so I'm grateful for that. But, you know, they they do kind of remind me of like the alti post rock uh 2000s Green Day vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have, despite that, it's still very much faith music. It's very yeah. much, you know, uh, uh, instilling faith and hope in people. But then you have someone totally different, like this guy, uh, Torn Wells, who is a pop artist, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. But same thing, like instilling ho- hope, faith in his music. And he has like choreography when he gets up on stage. He's he's dancing and he, he's got like a whole MJ weekend vibe going on. Crazy talented. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm also touring with a guy named uh, KB, who who is a Christian rapper. And it's just the same thing. It's like there can be a whole bunch of variety and, and genres that kind of uh, umbrella under the the faith sort of approach. So I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm in good company and and doing the same thing with my music uh, that that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And it's cool how they kind of structure that, you know, giving all those different genres on one bill for, for everybody to kind of go. Uh, yeah. Out. But yeah. Yeah, um, it's like a variety show. It's awesome. yeah. Right. Right. On your EP, you said you wrote a lot of it during the pandemic. Do you feel like that had any effect on the, the record, the emotion of the record or. I, I, I do feel like a lot, I do feel like we needed to have some more hopeful stuff. I probably would have gone deeper with some of the more vulnerable, uh, melancholy vibes, which I did go into deep with one of those songs uh, over and over again, mm-hmm. which is the fourth song on the EP. Uh, and I was kind of going through an existential crisis during that whole time, you know, because you were reading about it so much and, and all these people that were passing away. Uh, and I had dealt with grief before and, and, you know, recently lost people. And so I just felt like it was so relevant and the world was hurting. So mm-hmm. had I kind of led with those emotions in the writing room, I probably would have had more songs like over and over again, because mm-hmm. that was one song that I, I actually did lead with uh, that kind of melancholy vibe and, and put it on the EP. But I, I purposely stayed away from that uh, just because of the timing. And I was like, I'd so much rather have, songs like wildfire or it's about time that are more anthemic and just feel good, joyful songs that, you know, you could hear on the radio and they're just party songs. And part of what I think is so cool about it's about time. The lead single is it takes an otherwise heavy subject and turns it around into something uh, super positive. Cause if you look at the lyrics, Really, it's saying like it's about time and how we spend it because you only got so much of it, and then we all keel over by the end of the day. Right, right. You know, what I mean? uh, <laughs> to turn it around into something kind of fun was just totally unexpected because in the writing room, it was it could have easily taken a more melancholy, uh, I, you could even say sad mm-hmm. vibe. Uh, but I also got to give it up to Walker Hayes and, and Jordan Sapp for kind of steering the ship on that and saying, I think we can still talk about those things, but make it into a fun pop song. And, mm-hmm. and that's what we ended up with. So it, it couldn't have gone any better. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very pleased with it. Yeah. I think people need the uplifting stuff, especially after all of what, what you know, humanity has been through over the past couple of years, instead of like 
continuing down the like we're really sad rabbit hole it's like yeah here's some songs that kind of can uplift everybody is exactly man absolutely we we just needed it you know i mean there's always something going on uh humanity (laughs) can tend to be (laughs) a travesty at times but (laughs) at the end of the day um you know i think through all the noise uh, we should all just be happy to be here and Mm -hmm. life is such a gift and it's so fragile so to be able to talk about that on the song and the ep and we we need to have the more somber and humbling realization that uh really the fact that we're here is a miracle um and and we need to make the most of every day almost not to be too carpe diem cliche but Mm -hmm. when you get into the swing of a routine or or caught up in daily life and seemingly petty things uh which we blow up to be way bigger deals than they actually are and we tend to forget you know the bigger picture of life and and the things that really matter and for Mm -hmm. me kind of stepping back and coming to terms with my, my own mortality and having those realizations, like, why am I worrying about something so petty or why am I putting all my energy into something that at the end of the day is completely irrelevant? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that grounded my faith a lot too and, and brought me back to what was important in life. I, completely I think agree. we all need that. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. Uh, on Real quick on releasing you know, music for the first time, putting a, putting a song out, right that you wrote and you're, and you're releasing like did you feel like you were going to get any you know lashback like you know people going oh you know you had a, you're an actor now you're gonna put songs out like did you ever did you have that you know conversation in your head at all i thought about it but the conclusion i came to was no i i yeah. I, I wasn't expecting to have and i could have easily you know i mean uh, it's a totally fair question, but I think for me, it's just always been part of my identity that I was as much a musician and singer and artist as I was an actor. It's really just the acting worked out first by chance. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and people ask me, they're like, well, do you consider yourself more an actor or a singer? Do you like singing or acting better? I'm not crazy about those questions because, I mean, it, it, people can have more than one one career or hobby and, and still kind of it feed into uh, what they are doing. Uh, and I never felt like I needed to choose one or the other. And at the same time, I didn't want to sacrifice one for the other. I mean, there's no reason why I can't, you know, keep working in films and actively auditioning and taking roles uh, at the same time that I'm writing music on the days that I'm, I'm not doing that. So it's really just a balancing act for me mm-hmm. and just another branch and facet of my career. Uh, it's like, it's like the Justin Timberlake effect, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. the guy does Palmer for Apple TV and uh, does his film and then goes on, on tour and does his man of the woods tour. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been done before uh, or or JLo. So for me, it's just another, another facet of my career that I'm, I'm finally developing. I love that answer. Cause I was going to say, you could always just be like, well, you know, I went, I was, I auditioned for American Idol before I even had any like acting thing going on. You know, obviously that was kind of the, the inclination like, oh, I, I want to do this. And that was, you know, songwriting music based. And then that kind of just fell into when you got back to Chicago, a, a, a agency and doing more acting stuff. So it was like you yeah. started in music. 
Which yeah, a lot of people I, don't I did. probably realize that they don't. They, because <laughs> really, it's just when my acting career kind of blew up a bit, and then I became known as an actor just because I was, you know, currently relevant at the time doing the TV show I was on. Mm-hmm. That tends to be how it works, because you know, no one hears of you until you do that role that you finally gain the public's awareness. Right. Um, so by that time, they're like, oh, well, we assume this guy's an actor because this is the first time we're hearing from him. But mm-hmm. really, I mean, you know, I was doing it well before then. Uh, so it's it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like when you said somebody they asked you if you're a childhood actor, you know, growing up in the industry, you're like, well, I didn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. People, I, people just have all these like <laughs> it's a lot of assumptions, man. Yeah. Exactly. It's a lot of assumptions. And I think part of it is just because you know, the entertainment industry as a whole is such a public uh, sort of, it's just a public thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're kind of doing it. Your audience is uh, the the global public to an extent. (laughs) So it's really who heard of you from which press release, who happened to hear that one song you did. So Mm -hmm. whatever way they heard of you first, that's going to be how they first know you uh, when really it's just a career that has, hills and valleys and and people are going to hear about you at different times or hear your music at different times mm-hmm. but it, it's just that when your audience is the public everyone kind of knows you from a different thing or a different uh thing that you do mm-hmm. if that makes sense no it totally does you could for justin timberlake if you didn't know that he was an in sync maybe you saw him in you know the, the social network or something you're like oh this guy's an actor yeah. Literally, you know he has this huge disney pre you know career i mean yeah, oh, like yeah. Said, it just matters where you where you find them but yeah and uh, ask you ask an 11 year old kid if they know it in sync today and they'll say right. like, who's what? that <laughs> yeah exactly or i the know Mickey justin Mouse Kimberlake, Club, right? I saw in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny well i love the ep uh i love what you're doing it's amazing best of luck on the tour that's so awesome that you guys do i mean you're playing here in nashville pretty soon you're doing the bridgestone arena which is incredible yeah yeah i'm excited for that one so we're also doing like uh like uh some kind of pre-show i think we've got 150 fans coming in for like a private show uh somewhere in nashville during during that show day so i think lights down will start at 7 p.m for that winter jam show at bridgestone but i think i think it's like 5 or 5 30 or something that i'm I'm doing a little pre-show for them and they seem so it's gonna be great and i i I, yeah it's gonna be great I just want to touch real quick on on the single. It's about time. I the video. I I watched it before we got on the call. I love that video, man. So good with the uh, the Breakfast Club theme to it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You enjoy the videos? Since, I, I, I mean, do. obviously, you're used to being in front of a camera. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of like to put a little, you know, take what I know from acting and and put it into these music videos, and mm-hmm. that's why it was kind of cool to develop a little storyline uh, for this particular video. And The Breakfast Club has always been one of my favorite movies, uh, mainly because it just, it demonstrates uh, growing pains and and the experience of actually coming of age a lot better than I think other films have done afterwards. It's just, it's like, for me, the it's the epitome and and the staple film of what it means to come of age. And that's why I love it. Uh, and it was also filmed in Chicago, uh, fun story. The Breakfast Club is actually a term that was used at my high school, New True High School, that started getting used, I think, in the late 70s. So if people Whoa. at the school got morning detention, and then uh, they would send them to the morning breakfast club. 
And John Hughes, who is also from Chicago and graduated from, I think, Glenbrook North, his best friend, his best friend's son went to New True High School back in back in the day at that time. And he was, I guess the son was like talking to John Hughes or something about the breakfast club and breakfast club detention. So that's how John Hughes got wind of it and then wrote a concept around it of a morning detention. And I, that was at least the folklore and the story behind it. But I was able to get that fact reassured to me when, when I did uh, one of my movies in 2015, I worked with a producer named Michelle Manning who has done Forrest Gump, a couple other films, and ironically was a co-producer on The Breakfast Club. So I asked her, I said, Michelle, is it true what they say that The Breakfast Club is based off off of Nutria and that whole story of John and his friend's son? And she said, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. That is so so crazy. And that's the high school you attended. Yeah. Gives me a little personal affinity to it. So I I, I like that film because it reminds me of my own high school experience. Mm -hmm. I've had breakfast before yeah still going still going on your trip yeah Uh, well kevin i really appreciate your time this has been so amazing thank you so much for doing this um i have one more quick question for you i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists Uh, my advice would be to always lead with the fulfillment and and the creativity like always always lead with what you love and your passion uh, because I think it's easy, especially as a career starts to take off, to get lost up, just to get caught up and, and lost in the whole logistics of it and the noise and, and people talking and stuff like that and, and opinions, which is something I've also had to deal with as my career starts to gain a bit more traction. Uh, and it can be a bit discouraging at times. But if anything, I, I use all my woes uh, and all the good stuff, too. And I put them into my music or I put them into my roles and I I come back to why I started doing it in the first place, which is to act, to sing, to write music and and do what I love. So never forget why you're doing what you love to do. And there's a lot of people who would love to be doing it, too. So (laughs) you're lucky if you get to be able to do it.